Podcasting from the Calgary West Central Primary Care Network near Chinook Centre. This is episode three of the Examiner podcast. I'm your host, Roma Thompson, the Director of Community Services, Transitions and Integration. And I'm Lisa Bergerman, the Director of Member Services and Engagement. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're pleased to welcome Teresa Cran, Program Manager for the Alberta Healthy Living Program in the Calgary Zone, and CWC PCN Primary Care Nurse, Jill McWilliam. Together, they'll chat with Roma about how the program supports patients with chronic conditions and helps improve their health and quality of life. joining us for another episode. I'm excited to be here today with Teresa and Jill who are going to be joining me for a conversation around the Alberta Healthy Living Programme. Just to begin with, I know has had some name changes and some of our audience are probably still confused about what this programme is. So Teresa, can you tell us the history of the name and maybe how it might be known by some of our audience? Sure, I'll try my best. (laughs) Um, So about four years ago, we were the Living Well with a Chronic Condition Programme and I think a lot of people actually still resonate with that name. It's been around for about 15 to 18 years and about four years ago, we were the late adopters in that all the other zones in Alberta Health Services decided that they were going to adopt the name, um, the Alberta Healthy Living Program. And I was a bit reluctant to move in that direction only because there was a lot of attachment to the name Living Well with a Chronic Condition Program. But of course, since it's a provincial program, I didn't think I had a choice. <laughs> so we we moved to the new name about four years ago. So yes, it's the yeah. Alberta Healthy Living Program. Oh, okay. um, and as far as what we have to offer, we are a chronic disease management program and we are community-based and we offer four pillars of uh, services being group education, self-management workshops, group exercise, and nutrition support. Great. And I know it's a program that a number of our physicians have referred patients to, but we also, uh, I think, rely on our teams a lot for them identifying patients. Uh, Some of our our nurses and our behavioural health consultants are the ones who often are the ones that send the referrals in. Um, But when I talk about referrals, that process has changed as well. So is it a referral-based service or is it self-referral? I I hear different versions. Well, isn't that nice that you give me the chance to clear it up? So yes, a bit confusing, probably thanks to me and changing the referral form on a number of occasions. We are both. We accept healthcare provider and physician referrals, but we also accept self-referrals. Sometimes we find the distinction is that when one self-refers, um, there's maybe a different level of readiness when they actually make the decision to phone us and register for one or more of our services. I certainly do want to mention that healthcare providers do us a great service in endorsing the program, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but we do accept referrals um, and self-referrals for our programs. I'd say it's about 60% of our referrals come from the patient themselves and about 40% from, from physicians and other healthcare providers. Great. And so, Jill, as a nurse within our PCN, I know you've been with us for a number of years, so I'm sure you've referred quite a number of, of patients or suggested they attend the, the programs. So what's been your experience with the, the referral process? Do you, do you do support referrals or do you encourage patients to self-refer? I always, when I get a chance to brief the program and talk about all the positives of going, usually I 
I get the patient to set a goal to self-refer. And the reason for that is because it gets them started in with, with respect to self-management as opposed to always relying on a healthcare provider to do that process for them and to constantly being sorry, sort of doing for as opposed to doing with or having the patient self, self-manage. And so that's just step one of self-management is to have them take ownership of that goal that they've set and refer themselves. Yeah. And usually, and, and I, I like that comment, Jill, because one of the things we find is that when individuals do actually self-refer, they have, they've started to make the commitment to that appointment. When we get a referral and we call them back to make an appointment for one of our services, sometimes they are confused as to why the doctor referred them or not sure why the doctor referred them or, or what service they've referred them to. So when they self-refer, there's the, that, that better connection that we find. Yeah, yeah right on. Yeah. yeah. And Teresa, earlier on you talked about the four pillars uh, yeah. of the program. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on those pillars and give us a little bit more detail? I will do my best. So uh, the group education is um, offered all across Calgary as well as rural locations. And we have about 40 different topics. They are all around lifestyle or chronic disease management topics, and they can be facilitated by healthcare providers and in some instances also by volunteers. And they can range in topic from um, arthritis all the way to fibromyalgia, chronic pain disorders, Parkinson's. Um, so a real vast variety of, of conditions to choose from. In our program, when one is referred or self-referred, um, especially if they're wanting to see a registered dietitian, what we usually do is have them go to a group education class first prior to going to a registered dietitian. And that usually gets them um, primed for the appointment with the registered dietitian gets lots of great information. They get to socialize and network with others, and it usually gets them in sooner than if they were to wait for a registered dietitian. Um, our self-management program is called Better Choices, Better Health. That too mm-hmm. has changed names yeah. over the years. Um, and um, I know that Jill mentioned a lot about self-management, and this program is the quintessential program for self-management. It's from the states. AHS has purchased a license to offer it, and it allows individuals the opportunity to go through six weeks of learning about how to become better self-managers, everything from how to have a conversation with your healthcare provider, what are the important facets around sleep, taking Mm -hmm. medication, physical activity, how do I set goals, what's an action plan do for me, and regardless of the chronic condition you have, it it gives you the tools Mm -hmm. and the tips to be a better self-manager. We have a chronic pain version as well that's Mm -hmm. specific to chronic pain. Our group exercise is a community-based program as well. Individuals go through an assessment with a healthcare provider, and then after that, they are uh, placed through triage into a group exercise program. Um, It's a six-week to nine-week program, depending on where they're located. Again, there's a lot of self-management built into this program in that we want to give these individuals the tools to be able to, at the graduation point, 
understand what it is, what the important facets are of being active in exercise, such that they do it effectively and safely and on their own. Um, and so that is the group exercise piece. The final piece is uh, meetings with our registered dietitians. So we have one-on-one appointments with registered dietitians, um, and they, again, service the chronic disease management population. So they would want to help you with anything from high blood pressure, uh, cholesterol issues. Um, we have programs also for uh, obesity, um, just having good e- healthy eating plans. So that's where our registered dietitians are. And they're also community-based, mm. all free of charge. And Teresa, you mentioned that when you get a referral for a dietitian, you try to see whether there would be a fit for a group program first. Yes, yes. What does that criteria look like for determining if a patient could get a direct access to a mm-hmm. one-on-one with a dietitian? So uh, if individuals have um, you know, cognitive issues, if there's some anxiety related to an appointment, um, if they um, want to bring their caregiver along to understand you know, how they can best deal with the situation, we would certainly want to get that in information. So uh, we wouldn't want them to feel stressed or inhibited in any fashion by going to a group. Then we could make the decision to to bypass that process and have them go directly to see a dietitian. Yeah. And and these one-on-one um, dietitian appointments, how many sessions? Are they one-off or would the dietitian do follow-up? Or they it- would, yeah, no, they're not one-off. They would see the patient for as long as deemed necessary. The other thing is sometimes um, if someone has um, uh, diabetes, for example, we have a lot of diabetes classes, but there's a lot of demand for them. If it's six weeks between the time that they refer themselves to us and the next class, we wouldn't want them to wait any longer than six weeks. So then we would book a one-on-one appointment as well. Mm-hmm. We, so wait times are important for us too. Yeah. Yes. And you mentioned some of the criteria that uh, you use when determining if somebody's, you know, going to be a have success going through a group program. Uh, Jill, from your perspective, when you're actually in the clinic and making recommendations about the Alberta Healthy Living programs, what criteria are you looking at when you're meeting with patients and determining if this is going to be a good a good option for them? Well, as you know, Roma, we do a lot of assessment in our job as nurses. And not only does that involve assessment of the medical piece, but also the motivational piece and the readiness piece and how important it feels to them. And gauge from a nursing perspective what we feel maybe some of the gaps or some of the ideal ways of working with this patient. Some patients just wouldn't be interested in a group setting. And so those patients... I maybe would work on more one-to-one in an individual basis. But some people, a lot of people, really benefit from that group setting. And so those are ideal patients for the Alberta Healthy Living Program. So that assessment piece not only comes from, you know, the basics of measurement, but also assessing with certainly scales of, of importance and readiness and confidence and, and ownership skills you know, self-management skills as is to determine not only whether or not I would refer to Alberta Healthy Living Program, but also maybe how I can work with the Alberta Healthy Living Program. It could be that a few individual uh, sessions with me might get them better set up to go to Alberta Healthy Living. And alternatively, maybe I would recommend going to Alberta Healthy Living. And then once those sessions are are completed, 
then I can do the follow-up afterwards and answer some of the questions that maybe followed from that program. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of different ways that you are so helpful to my job uh, or, or your program is so helpful to my job. And, and so I think both, both services are certainly needed and a whole ton of patients are, are find huge, huge value. Mm -hmm. That's great. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Family physicians are natural leaders in our practices in primary care. We know what's happening on the front lines and we know what needs to happen to improve patient care. Running for Calgary West Central's PCM Board of Directors is your chance to take that leadership role one step further and help our network grow and succeed. My name is Dr. Carrie Traherne, a family physician at the Alex, and I became involved with the board last year to advocate for the role of PCNs in family practice and represent the membership. If, like me, you are excited about directing your energy and passion into moving our PCN forward, I invite you to stand as a candidate at this year's annual general meeting. The deadline to submit a nomination is September 17th, and information about the position is available on the examiner website or from your physician liaison. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, about group education and its value placed against a one-on-one -on -one appointment. Uh, not everyone thinks that way, but I think that sometimes patients feel that way, perhaps sometimes healthcare providers feel that way. And we certainly have, through our program, recognized that when someone goes to a group education class, there's something very magical that happens that you can't actually, um, that doesn't happen in a one-on-one -on -one appointment. They see others in the room that have a similar or like condition to themselves, mm -hmm. and they don't feel as isolated as they once thought they were. And there is a connection both in getting the information and also recognizing that they're not alone, and there's opportunities to share information, and that in itself is actually very upbeat and positive and confidence-building um, that a lot of people don't put a lot of onus on for group education. The other thing is that um, our registered dietitians uh, when they see someone in a one-on-one -on -one appointment after they've gone to a group education class, the, per, the patient comes in with a different level of readiness. Mm. And the questions are very pointed, direct, um, very specific, and they come from a place of having more knowledge at that point. And so it becomes a very valuable experience. They're all valuable, but there's a lot of really great pointed questions and a lot of knowledge gaining that happens thereafter. So I, I wanted to point out the value of group education. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that I've heard from a few physicians is that they, they wonder if their patients um, actually complete the course. So they know the patients get started and they maybe see them after they get started, but they don't necessarily have the opportunity to follow up again afterwards. What is the completion rate for, for participants in these? Do you see a, a drop off or what, how does that look? Well, I, yeah, I appreciate the metrics. So in education, we usually have around 75% of the people that register for education complete. Mm -hmm. um, and for exercise, we're hovering around the 65%. Now that, that, that is, you know, speaking of readiness, you got to be ready to take that on. Um, and it certainly is a little bit more comprehensive uh, to commit to 12 weeks. Um, and our self-management program is six weeks long. And we're finding that that's around a 71% completion, completion rate. So overall, I, I think that, you know, when I look at those numbers, I think I'm quite pleased. Certainly, I'd like to get them a mm -hmm. bit higher. But that, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy with those numbers. Teresa, do you mind if I ask you an extra question just for my benefit? Sure. 
I, as you know, work in clinics and I'm just wondering, is there any value to me changing anything about my process? Is there anything I can do differently to make your, your life easier? <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that question. Um, and partnerships with the PCNs are really valuable and very necessary and important. But I would think of a couple of different things. And you touched on it earlier, actually, Jill, and that's the endorsement piece. One of the things that I now recognize in our current referral form is we only have two of our four pillars on it. And so what has actually happened since the release of that referral form is I think that the awareness around education, group education, and Better Choices, Better Health, our self-management workshop, that awareness has started to wane. Mm. And because it's probably not as much front and center, and if it's not as on the referral form or front and center in conversations, I feel that there's potentially less endorsement of that program, lack of awareness of it. So if there's one thing that I could say to all healthcare providers is if you think that the patient in front of you could really benefit from one, two, three, or all four of our pillars, the endorsement coming from you is that element of trust. Um, I'm not sure where I would go as a patient, but you've just mentioned that program. And coming from you, that suggests to me, the patient, that you endorse the program, you trust it, you think that there's some merit to it. So if there's one thing that would be valuable is, is the awareness, the endorsement, leading them in that direction if, that's, if you find it suitable for them. The other thing is that probably like all programs, um, that referral forms get old and outdated. And, and if I would suggest to all healthcare providers, our source of truth is our website. So to find everything that you need as a healthcare provider, it's there our referral form, um, the most up-to-date, the most up-to-date classes. Mm -hmm. So I know that might take a little bit of work. And if there's suggestions that you have for me to help you, I'd be very happy to do that. But that, I would say, our current information lives on our website. So if healthcare providers could get used to going there and checking things out, that would be beneficial for us. Lovely. So a, f a follow-up question then. Yeah. What I think I'm hearing from you is that you see a lot of benefit in patients being maybe referred for individual counseling with me so that I can do that endorsement piece and make sure they've got the right class and, and assess the readiness before oh, they come perfect. to see you. You got it, Jill. <laughs> well, thank you so much. So, Teresa, I know another thing that often we're curious about is there's a whole range of classes that are offered. How do you determine which classes... Uh, continue on when you're bringing in new classes what's that process like and and is there anything in the near future that we should be looking forward to in the way of, of new offerings from the program yeah thank you yes so we run an evaluation on our group education all the time and so we ha and we also run numbers we get an idea of attendance so one of the things that we keep our eyes and ears open to is if something starts to wane or numbers get below consistently five in a class on a regular basis, then we typically recognize that that particular topic may be, um, the, the demand is getting a bit lower for it. Um, so that we would make some difficult decisions, but we certainly don't want to offer something where there's no demand. The, on the other side of the equation, we will often work with um, uh, agencies, 
uh, for example, Parkinson's or arthritis, they will come to us and they'll um, um, gastrointestinal concerns. Um, specialists, physicians will often come to us and say the demand for this particular area is starting to grow and it's outstripping um, the resources that we have or the wait times are becoming four, five, six months. If we could get individuals into a class sooner, even while they were waiting to see us or to augment the information that we can share with them, that would be really beneficial. So we can start to actually work with partners to build new classes. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly doing that. Um, celiac, of course, is something that, that happened in that fashion. We've just revamped our arthritis class. Um, and we know that cardiovascular health um, is, is becoming a uh, uh, primary concern out there and so looking to start to augment our existing lineup with some more cardiovascular cardiovascular health uh, education classes yeah. so yes that's yeah. what's on tap excellent and then just one further thing on um, the program offerings another thing we sometimes hear is about location and mm -hmm. people saying I wish this was offered in this part of the city and you know the courses are not convenient because of location so how do you make those determinations is that based on demand as well or well, that's a that's a more of a difficult kettle of fish. So sometimes location means that we have to reach out to agencies to find space. And sometimes space is not available or sometimes space comes with a cost, a considerable cost. So that adds into some of the decision making that we do. Certainly one of the things that um, that we're really going to be working on right now, Roma, um, and this speaks to accessibility, is um, online education or webinars. So if individuals um, are um, wanting to get access from their home, uh, and not even worry about the transportation mm -hmm. piece to a community facility. That's something we recognize is the next step for us. So I think that would be really helpful from an accessibility standpoint. Yeah. I think I think Jill just said Yahoo to herself <laughs> over there. Very much so. Yeah. And the reason why I cheer is because a lot of people have barriers that include time of day. Yep. So they can't necessarily take off work to go to these seminars, no matter how helpful they can Im imagine them being. Mm -hmm. So to have webinars or something they can access 24 seven would be huge. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> so Teresa, just before we wrap up, you did mention earlier, there was a website where that was the source of truth. The source. Can of you truth. share with us what that website is? I sure can. It's ahs.ca backslash AHLP. And individuals can certainly call our call center. Our clerks are there Monday to Friday from 8 to 4.30. And the number is 403-943-2584. Great. Thank you. Teresa Cran, Joe McWilliam, thank you both very much for joining me today. Thank you. So, Roma, that was a really great update. What I really liked uh, hearing was how Jill, the, the primary care nurse, interacts with the patient and really gets them to make the first move in terms of um, taking control of their own health and, and having them make uh, or make the first call and register for the program. I really think that's interesting. Yeah, and that's so huge to getting the, the buy-in of the, of the patient and, and being able to make sure that they're successful in, in attending the program. So yeah. I think what's also really interesting about this program is just how they're constantly looking at the 
the groups and the um, the different uh, offerings that they have going on mm-hmm. and they're constantly evolving and putting new programs in place which is is great for patients and and um, for the um, health professionals as well yeah I mean sky's the limit I wonder where they'll go next <laughs> you have been listening to the examiner podcast the podcast designed for members of the CWC PCN if you enjoyed this show and want to hear more, subscribe today via iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. To learn more about upcoming episodes, visit The Examiner, your source for up-to-date information on your PCN and your membership. And of course, if you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, or if you think you might like to get involved, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact your physician liaison or email memberservices at cwcpcn.com with your ideas or suggestions. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.